You are listening to Now Nostalgia, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. I am the Pokemon champion, Patrick Sheen, here with my not as much of a Pokemon champion, Dave Martinson. Yeah, I'm only here because you use a lure. So yeah, I, I set off some, some incense and there's plenty of Pokemon roaming around right now. Right. Dave, quick question. We're going to jump right into it. What team did you choose? Team Valor, Team Mystic, Team Intuition? Team Mystic, the only choice. I also went with Team Mystic. Yeah, so did Chris. Look at that. that <laughs> very nice choice. Apparently, uh, that's the, by far and away the most popular choice, according to the internet. Followed hmm. by Team Valor, then Team Instinct, Yellow Team, lagging behind. They're the Hufflepuffs of Pokemon Go. Yeah, they're, they're the... <laughs> what is it? Like, what you want? Horned, horned <laughs> serpent. serpent. <laughs> they're the horned serpent of Ilvermorny. So. Pokemon Go. Yeah. Sensation sweeping the nation. Sure. What are your thoughts on it? It's cool. It's cool. Uh, <laughs> I think it was pretty obvious it was going to be a hit just because it's the first time Pokemon has come to the mobile platform before to come to smartphones. But I don't think really anyone expected it to be quite this big of a hit in terms of just the sheer impact of day to day. I mean, whether it's on social media, people tweeting about just their daily lives and about how they're pissed that. Pidgeys are running away from them, or <laughs> people in really populated areas like New York City posting videos of tons of kids of all ethnicities running around with their phones, and people running in the traffic, and people running in the garbage cans, and crashing their cars. It's taking over, for the time being anyway. It's pretty cool. I mean, th- this dropped, I think, after we finished recording last Tuesday? Yeah. It was Wednesday night. Yeah, yeah I was, was actually I was leaving the studio and I noticed it went live. So yeah, about so a week ago, it was last Wednesday, and say. we were like, "Oh, this is gonna be interesting." Yeah. So I started it up on Thursday, and it's pretty addicting. If I didn't have a job, if I was eighteen and on like summer break, oh, I would be playing this all the time. Right. Having a job, being an adult, sucks. So don't grow up, kids. That's my first piece of advice. Mm-hmm. Second, how many freaking ratatats can I catch? Depends where you are, man. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. Get them candies. I, I see people post pictures of what their map looks like online with all the Pokestops. If yeah. you live in like Boston or New York City. New York City's crazy. And then I, I look at my Poke map and there's maybe like two Pokestops within right. the, like a two mile radius of me. So there's a gym I can see from my house and some nerd, some colossal nerd, nerd. is holding this thing down with a. Dragonite CP nine nine nine. Dragonite is pretty good. This kid, when one week, clearly paid to win, and that is a problem with microtransactions. If you ask anyone who plays competitive gaming, as a free mobile game, Pokemon Go needs to make money, and obviously you can pay to do various things to help level up your guys. And Pokemon Go has made a lot of money fourteen point oh four million dollars reported in just the first four days. Wow. For context, Pokemon Shuffle Mobile made $14.03 million in its entire lifespan of 509 days. It's pretty amazing. 3% of measured smartphones have this game. 5% of Android phones. And this is the craziest thing, I think. Nintendo shares jumped 10%, according to Reuters. Mm-hmm. And Nintendo's market value rose up to $7.5 billion, like a $2 billion increase for the time being. And shares rose 24.52% just on Monday. So a lot of interesting business implications. Yeah, and reportedly it has more daily active users than Twitter, which I think is incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely ahead of Tinder. They said Tinder's on 2% of Androids. Mm -hmm. Pokemon Go's on 3%, and Twitter's at 3.5%. And judging by the growth, it'll probably pass Twitter soon. But my question, anyone who really thinks about it, is will it last? And... Its current peak, I think, is completely unsustainable because at the end of the day, Pokemon Go is very, very simple. 
very not very mm-hmm. deep at all as a game. Sure. And I mean, it's really fun to catch all the guys. It'd be interesting to see if that very simple gaming loop really hooks people back in, keep playing as the game updates and as they look around and they see all these nerds who paid the win holding down gyms and like, oh, I can't compete with them. Maybe I'll play this a little less often and then we'll see the user count go down. But either way, I'm happy to success. It's really cool. It's definitely grabbing the nostalgia of people our age. For and, sure. Especially because um, it's only the original po- 150 Pokemon. Right. I think it, that it's a really smart way for Pokemon to put its name back out there in the zeitgeist and be as important as it was back when we were kids when red, blue, yellow yeah. all dropped and it was huge. But it's definitely not sustainable. I mean, just thinking about myself, I'm never going to be able to compete at a gym. Like, I don't have the time to build up my Pokemon. Mm-hmm. To train unless them, you pay. And I'm not going to pay. <laughs> exactly. So eventually I'll see it dying off unless they expand it to make it more friendly to people who don't have as much time to play. Right. It is cool seeing the anecdotes, though, of like parents saying, oh, look, all our kids are outside. Granted, they're staring at OLED right. screens, but it's getting more exercise out of people than we Fit ever did. Yeah, which is actually probably... I, I think The Ringer wrote a, an article about how this was maybe yep. the part of the game that people expected the least. Yeah. I have a, a co-worker who spent all weekend playing pretty much and walked 30 kilometers, which is close to about, what, 14 miles, something around there, 13 yeah. miles. Yeah. He said he hadn't walked that much in years. And now he's actually starting to think like, oh, well, maybe once my feet start feeling better, maybe then I'll try to jog a little bit. And then maybe I'll try adding this on, which is really cool that it's having an impact in that way. Also funny, there was a, a girl, was an 18 or 19 year old girl, she found a dead body by a river while playing Pokemon Go. I saw Go. that. It, pretty nuts. Also something I just saw today, a little disturbing. Pokemon searches on Pornhub are up 136%. Mm, and you can go to... furries or pokies, I guess. You can go to Mashable, there's more figures regarding that if you're interested but i thought that was a little question well also the holocaust museum told people to stop catching yeah. pokemon in their area yeah if you go visit the holocaust museum it's don't little, don't try to, to catch a gas it's a little tasteless please. for sure or gengar yeah None of those well, i saw actually one last thing i saw uh, grimecraft and uh, alana pierce the two uh, djs in like the video game space and they were hosting an event in san francisco called lured pokemon go themed yeah. like you know rave but that mm-hmm. was you know great jump on that right now take advantage but last thing <laughs> one last thing one last thing Kotaku which is probably the best video game website for like real hard journalism as opposed to just like news their parent company of Gawker Jezebel and all those sites apparently Pokemon Go is out trafficking E3 wow on Kotaku which is insane that's like, you see articles nice. everywhere it's crazy we'll see also fix those servers absolutely Pokemon <laughs> Go we will update you next week mm-hmm. after I catch another powerful Pokemon and want to brag yeah. about it. But I want to talk to you, Dave, about an album that I only got to listen to quickly, but mm-hmm. you seem to like a lot. Yeah, School yeah. Schoolboy Q's Blank Face. Yeah, Schoolboy Q's Blank Face. Another West Coast album, just like YG Still Brazy, which, if you missed out on that, we reviewed that three weeks ago. SoundCloud.com slash Nostalgia. Pod. Pod. Yeah. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Throw us a review. You can find all other 20 of our episodes at SoundCloud.com slash Nostalgia Pod. We're on there. I still can't believe that we that we had to go with Nostalgia Pod because there's that DJ who had like one remix. Yeah, yeah <laughs> soundcloud.com slash Nostalgia, some random dude with like three tracks, hasn't posted anything in like four years. And I still can't believe I can't remember to add the pod at the end every yeah. time. Also oh, Twitter, well. at Nostalgia Pod. Yes. Hit us up for all them takes. Stay plugging. So yeah, Schoolboy Q. Pat, how familiar are you with Schoolboy Q? I'd say pretty familiar. I mean, the way I know him is I think about him wearing that bucket hat. Mm-hmm. 
right? So for sure, yeah. If I saw like a YouTube come up and it had a YouTube, yeah, yeah. If I on, had on a, the Google, if I had a video on YouTube come up because my, my my roommate, shout out Brian Hines, likes to play a lot of rap music. If he put on a School of IQ song sure. and I couldn't see what the title was, I would know it was him because I would notice the hat. Sure, that would be the only way I would probably recognize collard greens with Kendrick yeah, Lamar. Yeah, I definitely know collard greens. My shout out Brian Hines again, one of his favorite songs of all time. There you go. Read into that what you want. Mm-hmm. But this album was significantly different from YG. Totally yes. different. Yeah, yeah, definitely feel to it. Whereas YG's was a straight, very obviously throwback to '90s gangster rap and G funk and whatnot. Schoolboy Q's album, also a LA based rapper. Is much more contemporary sound, but mm-hmm. still very California and still very street. My initial take when listening to the Blank Face LP, which just came out on Friday, you can listen to it on Spotify for free, was that it's probably the least accessible Schoolboy Q album mm. because it's the darkest, the deepest, the grittiest of all his projects yet. He has four albums, and if I was going to point you to start with someone, I'd definitely say Habits and Contradictions, his second independent album, his second overall album, then. Then you would go to Oxymoron, which came out in 2014. That's where Collard Greens is from, yeah. Man of the Year, a Studio, really big hit. Yeah, Studio. Uh, R&B hit, Break the Bank, What They Want with Two Chains. There's a lot of really good songs on Oxymoron. I feel like you definitely want to start with his with his second and third album first. His first album, Setbacks, it's okay. It's, it's a little raw. Some good songs there, though. But yeah, Blake Face will be, should not be your first foreign to school book you. That being said, I think it's a really solid listen, although it's not the funnest listen because it's so dark and so gritty so dense dense i think is a good word for it it's not even a criticism it's just how it sounds it definitely it was difficult for me to get into Mm -hmm. and i think what made it difficult was it sounded very dark it is the darkest project for sure and i I think i talked about this when i talked about why i like chances album so much more than views was Mm. i liked how upbeat it was yg's album very upbeat yeah this was definitely dark and it I thought the songs were the songs were put together beautifully. Yeah, um, I think it's well constructed for sure. Thought by any means was brilliant, and actually having Kendrick do his weird voice in the background yeah. actually added a great effect to it, and that was a really unique and awesome way yeah. to use Kendrick instead of just using him as a feature. For sure, Q described that voice Kendrick uses in the mm-hmm. background vocals on any means. He described that as Kendrick's Lord of the Rings voice. <laughs> and I think that's really fitting. That weird, yeah. like, high pitched voice he does. That's really eerie actually, on the song. It's actually a great way to phrase it. I, I guess I, I know what I was listening to was good, but I don't mm. think I want to go back and listen to it. Sure, sure. Yeah, no. It, like I said, to enjoy it, to immediately jump into it you feel like you have to kind of know school but you kind of have to know tde tde top dog entertainment that's the independent label that kendrick lamar school Q, absol and j-rock are all on okay and once they all got signed to tde which is which is founded by anthony top dog you know kendrick's like get top mm-hmm. on the phone that's what he's referring to they all formed the super group black hippie in like 09 when they all signed to this independent label and that's why they're on each other's songs all the time because they're just really good friends who all right. kind of came up together and i mean they're all boys at the end of the day and this is long before kendrick you know rose to that legendary status in terms of critical acclaim as far as i can see but back a few years ago schoolboy songs were still very gangster but they're more accessible they're easier to get into and i think having those songs under my belt really knowing who schoolboy q is what he's about makes me appreciate blank face lp more because apparently he almost stopped rapping and didn't make this album because he wanted to spend more time with his daughter because he's away from her too much on tour and whatnot. So you can definitely kind of see that frame of mind coming out in this album that's so sure. dark. But I feel like he still tells some really cool stories. And I mean, I think I would agree with you that it's it's not an album I, I would definitely listen to in full, but I think the songs... I've grown more positive on views since we've gotten out. 
mm-hmm. terms of like individual songs that I, right. I like to listen to. And I think if you're going to listen to songs on Blank Face LP, I would definitely refer you to By Any Means, which you mm-hmm. mentioned. I think that song's great. Dope Dealer with E40. Metro Boom and Beat. That's really good. Ride Out with Vince Staples. Love Vince Staples. Great compliment, Schoolboy Q. Initially, I was disappointed by this song. I like it more now. Blank Face, the title track with Anderson Pack. Mm-hmm. He's everywhere. Killing He's it. awesome. He's great. He's also on background vocals on the first song on the album, Torch. How do you feel about that part with Kanye? That was the lead single. Charted uh, 64th it's currently. Okay. I, I didn't think Kanye's verse was that great on it, right. honestly. Okay, um, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I, I think you knew I was going to check that one out. It didn't really grab me. I think... Either people don't like it or they think it's funny. You know Those what, are the two camps I've seen. You know what song actually really grabbed me was uh, Know You're Wrong? Uh, Lance Skywalker. Oh yeah, Lance. I, Sky- He's a new TD signing, brand it, new. It was actually pretty crazy because I was just kind of listening through, not really thinking about what song was on. And I started like noticing myself bobbing my head to that sure, one. Sure. So, so for, some, for some reason, that one grabbed me. I can't really think off the top of my head what it was, but mm-hmm. one of the things that I think is actually interesting, just in a larger scope of like TDE with Schoolboy and Kendrick kind of yeah. being at the top of that. Kendrick's album, Untitled Unmastered, was considered... Well, I guess it's hard to call it an album, I guess. EP. Yeah, an EP. But... It's Unmastered. It was, I can't call it an album. Yeah, it was pretty... I mean, it was. It had a very similar sound. It sounded darker. It was... Denser. That's another it thing that's not easy into. to... Exactly. I think, like, tracks two and seven, you know, right. like, you know Levitate, Levitate, and then, mm-hmm. then uh, track seven, those are the songs you go back to on Untitled Unmastered. And School Blankface LP is going to be the same boat, I think, where there's some great songs on there. And if you do listen to it, there's, it's a great, cohesive album. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you kind of have to be in that mood. Right. So it's just interesting that this group is kind of gravitating towards this, especially when you think Kendrick went from... When I think of Good Kid, Mad City, I think of a lot of songs that, well, yeah, that was the coming were out very fun to listen to and sing along to. Sure. It really it had dark parts, but it wasn't super dark. Mm-hmm. Schoolboy Q, I think of like Collard Greens and studio songs that are really yeah. accept- accessible. Mm-hmm. Now they're both moving into this direction where it's yeah. a lot darker, a I lot mean, deeper. Even To Pimp a Butterfly is in that kind of boat too, where you, you look back on like All Right and King Kunta right. as easy songs yeah. and great songs to listen to, and even like something like The Black and the Berry, which is really dark, or um, I. Mm-hmm. But the whole album itself, while fantastic, amazing, 10 out of 10 album, is so deep and so topical that it's not something you can listen to all the time. Blank Face LP, the least cohesive aspect of it, is one of my favorite songs over time. With Miguel and Justine Skye. Mm-hmm. The album's all gritty and dark. And then the second to last song is this R&B bedroom cut. And then we go back to gritty and dark <laughs> and then the album. Clearly influenced by the, the label. He basically said that Interscope, which is... He signed Interscope NTE now. Right. Interscope's like, we kind of need this kind of radio crossover. Mm-hmm. Clearly the successor to Studio. I think it's a better song than Studio. I think Miguel's really good on the hook. I did listen to it. It was pretty good. I, that might be a song I will revisit. Yeah. And then um, Justine Skye, I actually saw her perform up for Big Sean being a last year and now she's on a TV album so that's kind of cool good for her we'll be talking a lot more about TVE but something that had a lot of people talking before anyone even knew what was going on yeah Ghostbusters for sure so we talked about the trailer trailer I think seven eight episodes ago something like that yeah. it, we talked about how people were really bashing it saying it looked basically like it was gonna hit all the same beats that the original Ghostbusters had how it didn't look inventive at all how they thought that people were going to hate this and it was going to ruin the the Ghostbusters franchise mm-hmm. but lo and behold it's being released this Friday mm-hmm. and initial reception is pretty fair it's not great it's not bad it's who would have thunk it who would have thought <laughs> part of me wanted it to be really really good I wanted it to be really really good. I mean I have zero affinity for Ghostbusters I couldn't care but 
I hate when I see all this negative reaction, and lots of it's fueled by misogyny and sexism. Mm -hmm. You see it in the YouTube comments. This is the most disliked movie trailer of all time. It does not deserve that at all. No. And some people are like, oh, well, I think they're really fueled by nostalgia, not so much because it's all women. I'm sure there's some of those people, but that does not make the movie the most disliked trailer right. of all time. That just doesn't make any sense. And also, Ghostbusters does not have that many hardcore fans. Mm -hmm. And most of the hardcore fans I have encountered on the internet want it to be good. Right. Lo and behold, it's okay. Wesley Jones' character, turns out, is a blatant, loud black woman stereotype with no mm -hmm. character depth. Don't like that at all. That sucks. But Kate McKinnon's really good, apparently. There's Whatever. so many talented people in this to, for, it to, for it to be bad, I feel like, especially mm -hmm. when you have Dan Aykroyd has his hands all over this, mm -hmm. and Kristen Wiig and Kate McKinnon especially. I mean, Melissa McCarthy, I'm, I'm hot and cold on. I think she's funny at times. She does her thing. Really, yeah, she's, apparently she's not bad in this. So I'm, I'm excited to see it. It's coming out this Friday. We'll probably have a review yeah. In the coming weeks. But I want to move into TV shows now. Yeah, summer TV. So there's a lot of good TV out. We want to go deep into uh, the night of Mr. Robot, but we wanted to start by mentioning a couple of TV shows. Right. Preacher is about halfway through its season already on AMC and starring Dominic Cooper, who you might recognize as the guy who played Howard Stark in Marvel, Tony Stark's mm. dad. He's also in Dracula Untold and like Need for Speed. He's, he's been around. Not not the guy that played uh, his dad in the most recent. Movie. Not no not uh, Slattery. Right. Uh, John Slattery. Ben John Slattery. Slattery. John, John Slattery. Slattery. He played Howard Stark in Agent Carter the show, and he also played a young Howard Stark in I assume Iron Man three flashback okay. something like that. And then Ruth Nega, who also was actually on Marvel Agents of Shield as a villain, and his real life girlfriend. Those are like the two leads and it's gotcha. based off of a comic from uh, ran from 95 to 2000 from garth ennis on uh, vertigo and really beloved really dark comic that a lot of people didn't think you could ever actually adapt to tv i actually haven't watched the show yet but i'm very interested in seeing it so i'll definitely bring it back up when i have more to say but i will check it out at some point other show coming out this sunday the 17th vice principles on hbo with Danny McBride and Walton Goggins. I'm, I'm excited to see Goggins because yeah. he was amazing in The Hateful Eight. Exactly. And exactly I, my point. I, I think that he actually provided a lot of comic relief in that, oh, in that so good. movie. And it wasn't cheap laughs either. It was really, really no. smart. And seeing him across from Danny McBride, who is just like the epitome of ridiculousness yeah, he, he, all the time. He's already proven he can do it on HBO and he's bounded down. Yeah. And uh, we know him from like This is the End and like the mm -hmm. Seth Rogen comedies, so... Yeah, that should be cool. Cameos from Bill Murray and Will Ferrell, so mm -hmm. I think that'll be funny. Have you ever watched Ballers? I know that's coming back. I haven't watched. I season watched one. the first season of Ballers, all of it. Is it like on better? Is it better or worse than Entourage? I haven't watched that it's, either. This is tough. It's actually a tough. Better than late Entourage and as good as early Entourage. Yes, uh, I would say it's on par with late Entourage. Like, the Rock's so likable, you know. Like early it, Entourage. Yeah, the the Rock is likable. I mean, you have Denzel Washington's son playing mm. a, an old wide receiver on the show, but. Uh, I think the thing about it is that the storylines are just stupid and it all revolves around this one star who really just can't make any decisions for himself. And that's pretty much what it's very. I thought the plot was pretty weak, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So, sure. I see, uh, I think Andy Garcia is coming for season two. I saw him in the trailer. Hmm, so that's interesting. Cool. I mean, I'll probably check it out, but I could see that being a show I just drop off my. Sure. My, I don't have enough time for that, right? Right, now. right. Yeah, it's too much time, for sure. So, The Night of. Yeah, I watched the preview that was on HBO. Or I guess not the preview when they released the first episode yeah. two or three weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, because they had it on streaming HBO Go H now. Yep. And then last Sunday they put it on. At it, it was HBO, the premiere. The HBO standard. Premiere. And I think I told you I was like, you need to watch this. Yeah, you did. And Dave, I don't think you took my advice until an hour before taping. That's correct. I just watched it. And what did you think? It's 
fantastic. Yeah. Send a nice send a tweet out about it at Martin Swagger, by the way. Really, really gripping. Riz Ahmed, insane. Mm-hmm. Talk about a guy who As knows. Nas. Yeah, not Nas FJZ. No, uh, his name. He plays a character named Nasir, short for Nas, and he's really good at portraying a guy who doesn't know where he's at, doesn't know what he's what to think, what to do. He played scared, played stressed really really good in this first episode yep. and then I, I, I knew they were in the in the show already going in but I, I couldn't help but chuckle when I saw Bill Camp the lead detective pseudo interrogating him and talking to him in this first episode yep. and then also he plays box right yes because he's the new the newest iteration for me of oh that guy because he yeah, was he was in, in the mid- night of he I literally was I was looking at I was like where where yeah, do I know midnight this guy special uh, yeah no yeah it, not yeah the night it was midnight special I was like oh that guy literally and that guy the series of that guys continues and it's Kevin Dunn is in this he's mm-hmm. uh, the dad in Transformers yeah among tons of other things and then also of course at the end Nas's lawyer shows up John Turturro. And arguably the best part of the Transformers, as yeah. the guy from Sector 7. It was actually really funny, because I didn't watch Transformers, but when I saw John Tutura, I was like, how do I know this yeah. dude? That then, guy. No, and then I looked back at his IMDb, and he has been in hundreds of movies. Sure. Including Quiz Show, a Best Picture nominee. But I remember him from Mr. D. He is in Mr. D's, yeah, right? he is in Mr. D's. That was where I saw him from. Also seeing J.D. Williams, who plays Bodie in The Wire. Also in another like gangster role. Right. It was really funny seeing him actually looking up at surveillance cameras and not having him throw a rock at it. Sure, because sure. That was one of the biggest images that came out of the wire was you saw the surveillance camera watching these gangsters and the guy just throws the rock and breaks it and it breaks the surveillance uh-huh. camera. That was one of the lasting images. I think, as you said, Nas in this episode, the way that Riz Ahmed played stressed and played afraid, confused, spiraling out of... Eyes. Um, yeah, nuts. And I think the biggest criticism that I think is... An unfair one. The biggest criticism of the show right now is Nas made every dumb decision. That yeah. He, like, every time he had a choice, he made the wrong one. Because as you're watching this, you already know that he's going to get arrested. That's how the show is sold. It's not right. a spoiler. We know it's coming. So as you're watching with that in your head, you're like, oh, crap. You, you, left yep. your foot, you left your prints. Oh, right. There's some blood. You uh, grabbed the knife? <laughs> you brought the knife with you? Why would you do that? <laughs> and then, like, simple mistakes. You, you left your keys in the locked door, so you broke in. Right. You know, like... <laughs> I mean, I can understand the criticisms, but as Chris Ryan from The Ringer said, who's seen a bunch of screeners, he said it's a very multi-layered story, so you're, we're going to forget about those episode one criticisms as the show goes on. I think what's unfair about that, though, is he's a 21-year-old kid who just sure. woke up in the middle of the night, spoiler alert. He's also on drugs. Right. He who's on drugs pretty much for the first time in his life. Yeah. And he more, than, found, more than one drug yeah. and alcohol. <laughs> and, and he found a girl that he had slept with for the first time dead and chopped up and he did not know how any of this happened mm-hmm. so i think at that point i can yeah. kind of suspend belief that oh this he's gonna act cool comic collected and make every right decision and of course yeah. he's gonna want to run away and just think oh i grab the knife and no one will ever know or right. if i you know do this and it's okay he just and this wanted all, to get out of and this. and this all happened because the girl got in the cab because he didn't know how to turn off the off-duty light on top of the cab i know you Crazy. know and also, because Turturro's really barely in this, he shows up at the end as, as mm-hmm. the lawyer, but when he knows that Detective Box is on the case, he's like, oh shit, like, yep. this is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. And you could kind of already tell, because as Bill Camp is doing his thing, he's not like playing good cop, bad cop, he's just kind of being very cool, very articulate, but you can 100% see what he's doing. Right. In terms of, you know, his strategies, not only really break Nas, but just kind of 
hey, we have all this evidence on you, so let's just, you know, right. let's Try, get to it. You trying know? to get him to confess. Right. One of the coolest things about this show is this was supposed to be Gandolfini yes. in the role of Tortoro. Yeah, he's and an then, EP right now. And then Robert De Niro was supposed to be in for oh, Gandolfini. Did, did not know that. And that fell through, and then they're like, okay, couldn't get these two huge actors. We'll just go with John Turturro, one of the best that guy yeah. of all time. What, what, what a deep bench. Yeah, I mean, he was the lead in a Best Picture nominee. He's a very good actor, and that's kind of peak TV for you, though, right? Like, Absolutely. Tons of B and C list guys that are really, really good, mm-hmm. and women, shine. Yeah, these kind of dramas. And this is only a miniseries, only eight episodes on HBO. We'll see, but it looks like we're in for a good ride. It's going to be interesting. I don't think this is going to be a very popular show, a very successful show for HBO. I think so. At a time when after, numbers are after strong. True Detective fell off, that yeah. is coming along, and they're doing it in a similar a good point. structure as True Detective. Yep. It'd be interesting to see if they try to make this an anthology series in a way. So yeah, definitely keep our eye on that. But now, maybe the biggest mistake we've ever made, sure. not previewing Mr. Robot. Yeah, unfortunate. It comes out on Wednesday, so... We let you down, listeners. I'm sorry. You actually could have already seen it. So, Mr. Robot premieres Wednesday, and in classic Mr. Robot fashion, they took information that only the government could have had, and they gave it to the people. And three days early, that yeah. that, that was what was everybody on their, was saying. It was briefly on their Twitter, and Snapchat, and Facebook. YouTube. Briefly. How, how, how did you watch it, Dave? I didn't watch it. You didn't watch it? No, I didn't watch it. Wow. Did you watch it? I watched the first episode. Oh, no, I missed it. And it was fantastic. I decided not to watch a link. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, I was on Twitter when this popped up. Oh, see, yeah, yeah, I missed it. I saw it. I didn't see that happen until the day after. And I was gonna, I was actually gonna, gonna text you, and I was like, there's no way Dave isn't seeing this right now. So, I didn't even think it was worth it. Didn't see it. I apologize, my friend. <laughs> so... The first episode, very good. Yeah, we good. we won't I won't spoil any of it for you. They they dropped it three days early and they're having a double episode premiere right. this Wednesday, so that will be a day after we're recording. Obviously stars Rami Malik, Christian Slater, Sam Eshmael is the showrunner. Yep. First season, maybe one of the most out of nowhere seasons of T V to be that good in a I mean, long yeah, time. because it's on USA. <laughs> it's not a network. That's a network known its best show ever was Suits and Burn Notice. Yeah, not, not exactly Critical Darlings. Suits. But Mr. Robot on dope. tons of best of year lists. Yeah. I mean... Rami Malik's a star, man. I You said this is the best show on TV. I said it was the second best show behind Fargo. But I still think I probably like this show more than Fargo. I just think Fargo's better. But this show is fantastic after the first season. And similar to Fargo, it's all the work of this one showrunner. Fargo has Noah Hawley, mm-hmm. Sam Esmail, wrote, directed, and showran all of Mr. Robot Season 1, a concept he initially was going to make into a movie. And he's doing all Season 2 as well. Correct. And it's just also, of course, great acting. Part for the course nowadays with Peak TV. And with so many twists and unexpected things happening in season one, obviously very, very excited for season two, which has two more episodes, 12 episodes this season. Yeah, they added that on. They announced that, I think it was three or four weeks ago, that they were going to be adding two more episodes. I'm not sure if that's good or bad for the season. It could go either way, and we'll we'll have to wait to find out, really. Mm -hmm. What did you think of them dropping uh, the first hour of the premiere just randomly, unannounced, uh, on Sunday night? I think it's a cool thing for the fans because the only people that are really going to take advantage of that are people that are already fans. Mm-hmm. So it's a cool thing. It's kind of a very fitting form of viral marketing for Mr. Robot. 
uh, I thought Given it was, the show's content. It was interesting that they dropped it the same time that The Night Of was premiering as mm. well. Probably going to be their biggest competition for claim and ratings on right. that night. Or yeah, good thing they're on different days. They are on different days. Because uh, Preacher and Vice Principals are... Well, Preacher's a Sunday show, and Vice Principals will be on Sunday. Mm. But that's a blocked with The Night Of, I assume. Right. So, and then Mr. Robot's on Wednesdays. Other than that, Summer TV's kind of there. This is the worst time of year for entertainment Right. Of any kind. I mean, you do a, a sports podcast and you have nothing to talk about. No, it's just the next month, pretty much. Ball star breaks done. So and then mini camp starts. <laughs> yeah, video games. Most there's no no games come out in the summer. Nope, usually, unless they were delayed. That's that. So watch 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 these shows. There's nothing else to do. Actually, really interesting though. Movies are the movies coming out are going to be pretty good. I'm I'm excited for Ghostbusters, Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. which I, I know we'll be talking about come, uh, moving forward because I think we're both pretty pumped for that. Yes, Sully with yeah. Tom Hanks. Yeah, <laughs> that and uh, Aaron Eckhart's in that too. I hear he's really good. Yeah, Harvey Dent. So we'll, we'll have to definitely talk about that as Wait, well. But you didn't see him in London Has Fallen? He you was the what? President of the United, United States in that. Wait, re- spoiler alert. Come on, man. Yeah. Well, you didn't see Olympus Has <laughs> Fallen? 2009, I man. did see Olympus Has Fallen, so. Yeah, that was great. What would you like better, that or White House Down? Didn't see White House Down. Ooh, I, I want to see it though. You know, Chan- Channing Tatum. Chan- Channing Tatum was really good in that. Jamie Foxx was the president, right? Yeah, that that was kind of weird. He like stopped in his room to put on his, his Air Air Force Ones. I was like, okay, this okay. is kind of strange. Anyways, <laughs> a couple of questions for you for Mister Robot uh, previewing the season. Who is Tyrell? Mm, I don't know, dude. Yeah. Who is Tyrell? Is he even a real person? That. It, there's so I many I think he questions. has to be a real person. his wife, right? His wife and all the and stuff in, all the stuff at Evil Corp. He right. Had, he's interacted with too many people in the business for him to totally be fake. It just wouldn't... I don't know how they could convey that to us as a twist, you know? Right. So that being said, is he dead? Where is he? We have no idea. He's not even in the finale. Unless he maybe was behind a mask or something. So, just this doesn't spoil much about season premiere, right? But what you see is you see right after he records the the F Society spot where it's Tyrell with the mask on and talking about what what F Society did to take away all the world's money, pretty much, right? And then he talks with Elliot for a little bit, and mm-hmm. then there's uh, shows the Mr. Robot sign, then it just shows Elliot in bed a month later. And it doesn't explain anything about where he goes, so at least in the first hour we don't find out where he goes. I, I think one of the things that, and this is a huge spoiler for the first season if you haven't watched Mr. Robot, you should just turn this off now at this point. Yeah, to be um, honest, de- definitely uh, watch it, don't let it get spoiled for you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really This good. is not on Game of Thrones level of you'll be spoiled easily on right. the internet, but you should go about it. And this is only 10 episodes of season 1, soon to be 11 with the premiere, so... Just watch it. It's really good. It'll, I was hooked from episode one. It should grab you. It's interestingly it's interestingly shot, well-paced, well-written. Yeah. I mean, and, yep. and the acting... Christian Slater won a Best Supporting, I think, Actor Emmy for it. He at least won the Golden Globe. You know? Definitely won the Golden Globe. And, and Rami Malik. They, they haven't done, they haven't done the Emmys for this yet. True. You're, uh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. But basically, Mr. Robot, who is Christian Slater, right. is... Basically, Elliot's id, I guess. He's, you can see a Fight Club connection. Yeah, a Fight Club connection. And, and so, if you want to make another connection, Tyrell is very much Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. Yeah. Christian Bale's character. Um, but even more crazy. Um, and then Joanna, his wife, is almost like a Lady Macbeth of sorts. Yeah. That, that, that scene where Elliot walks up to her and she starts speaking to him in Swedish, I, so strange. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea why she would think that's a way, the way to talk to Elliot, which adds to the mystery of... 
Oh, does and ask all like, what's up with Angela? You know, what team is she playing for? Yeah, Joey Badass is gonna join the show as a friend of Elliot's. That's cool. And he was actually uh, he's a lot in the first hour, and he is he. Yeah, and he's pretty pretty awesome. I mean, that's awesome. His role isn't big, it seems. He's he's his friend from the neighborhood. Yeah, but he's gonna he definitely held his own, which I was excited. That's nice. He's only like I think twenty one, so he's a young kid. Any white rose in there? There was no White Rose, but that was actually what I wanted to get to. What do you think we're going to see from White Rose? I mean, that the, the last scene of the finale. A- after the credits. Right, with finale. I won't say who, but he was with someone else. Mm-hmm. That totally opens it up to what's up with the Dark Army and White Rose. What's right. up with... So B.D. Wong? Yeah, B.D. Wong plays White Rose <laughs> from Jurassic World fame and recently gotham <laughs> and uh, law and order svu man he was there's no fame from that yeah there's so much fame <laughs> from that who hasn't done an svu marathon at some point in their life me that is a crime you should you should it's the same show every same thing every time yeah exactly which right. is why why it's so good to watch on a weekend when right. you just don't want to think about it. i anything. guess it's a good thing for the summer yeah absolutely assuming you're caught up on the night of and mr robot yeah and every other tv show that you ever want to watch ever. right another question i had for you is elliot going to make it through the season yeah, I think so. I think he's very safe. Is he going to make it through in terms of... I think he's around as long as ...not being around. put inside a mental institution of some sort? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, mental state, very, very damaged. He's having like a pretty severe schizophren- schizophrenic break, it seems. Yeah, um, he seems to have been over the drugs, though. He went through withdrawal. I think he's cool with that. Unless he relapses in 2.1, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um that's a good. That's a good one. I don't know. Um, I don't know how much story you can progress without Elliot. That, that, out and about that being said, they right. do they do jump around in time halfway they through do. season one. So I suppose he could have a stint. Sure, Is it, Arlene could submit him. Yeah, have him put into an uh, institution. That actually is one of the biggest criticisms, is that the show can't go on without Elliot, which basically makes this a show about Elliot, which sure. is okay. I feel like a, I feel like you can make a criticism about most TV, though. Yeah, absolutely. Every TV has main character, unless it's a show like Game of Thrones, which takes tropes and throws them out the window by killing the main character more than right. once. And you know, I, I don't think that's really a fair thing to say. And I think that that's, that's actually a really great point, because... We got a huge payouts on Game of Thrones this season, but it took six seasons to get to get these filled yeah. moments. It, focusing yeah. on Elliot means that this show, I think they said it's probably going to go five or six seasons in, in total. Yeah, I mean, so. that's a lot. I mean, it's very clearly focused. It's Sam, Sam Esmail's brainchild. Mm-hmm. He kind of knows what he wants to do with this. And judging from the aftermath of what happens at the end of the end of season one, there's a lot they can still do. So, I mean, you know, I'm not going to worry about, you know, Elliot being or not being the lead i think it's going to be fine right one of the things that i think is going to be really interesting because they basically said that this season is going to be mostly about like finding out what happened in elliot's past to make him so fucked up sure (laughs) and yeah a lot of questions there are a ton of questions and one of the things i think is going to be interesting if we see episodes that are basically totally if not in elliot's past at least he's living the the moments from the past as like an outside viewer inside these moments so i maybe that that wasn't did that make sense what you said maybe maybe we'll either see flashback scenes right or we'll see elliot as like an observer in 
memories. Oh, sure, it, sure. Either yeah. either with Mr. Robot next to like him, Brand, watching like Brand happen. Starking it. Yeah, exactly. Right. He'll 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 warg right into it. Sure, sure. In, into Mr. Robot. That that will be actually a really interesting part yeah. of how they decide to show right. that. That's a good point too, because I'm happy Christian Slater's Mr. Robot is back. Right. Because you learn things about that character in season one that would lead you to think he wouldn't be around anymore, but obviously Elliot's fragile mental state enables him to be around and obviously such a great show such a great performance from christian slater that i think is very important absolutely so we'll definitely be keeping our finger on the pulse anything else you want to talk about that shout out one more time riz ahmed on the night of because yeah. he's going to be in star wars rogue one that, that's gonna be pretty awesome and he's uh, also in uh born five coming out in the summer oh really yeah i didn't know that him, uh, and, him and the queen born five comes out in i think two weeks i'm very i'm stoked for that i i, ju- I, I just grabbed all my dad's dvds to catch up on born again so yeah i, I would like to rewatch it as well because the born the born trilogy is very good action movies but also very multi-layered story you know absolutely uh, the, the better you understand i feel like the more you enjoy it so we'll we'll definitely be t- touching on all that follow us at all the usual spots twitter soundcloud at nostalgia pod right follow dave at Martin Swagger on Twitter. Hit me up with those Night Of and Mr. Robot and Schoolboy Q takes. Also, I've been tweeting lots of Pokemon Go GIFs, so if that's your thing, they're coming. Because Pokemon Go, right now, tons of stuff. Ratatat's running away, pissing me <laughs> off. Follow me at Shiny World Peace. I spell in every episode. Go back and listen to all those if you want to know. Or you can go to SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod. There's direct links to our Twitter profiles there right there. So just go to SoundCloud. And give us a nice review. It's a good hub. Share with friends. Help us grow. Yeah. Be awesome. Be safe, Pokemoning. And we out. And this year's been a long round, so I gotta go. It's logic. The one nobody would vouch for. How's that shit for an outro? <laughs>